All right, welcome to the Ideas for COSA podcast. This is episode 21 and a little bit different episode today. Um, my dad, who runs Centro San Antonio, uh, invited me, um, along with his staff, to record uh, a live luncheon event that they held last week. Um, and I agreed to do it, and it's going to be posted on their new podcast that they're releasing, um, Centro San Antonio. Uh, on SoundCloud, um, but we're also releasing it here on Ideas for COSA. Um, and the luncheon was um, about the value of downtown. It featured keynote speaker David Downey, who is the CEO of International Downtown Association, um, which will be having their conference in San Antonio next fall. And uh, also featured speakers uh, Pat Giovanni, Don Frost, and city manager Cheryl, Cheryl Scully. Um so just want to say this, the viewpoints uh, or the ideas or, the, or whatever the value of downtown that, that may have been portrayed in this um, episode by these speakers is, is their opinion. It's not a reflection of what Ideas for COSA stands for. Ideas for COSA, we're always open to um, differing views and perspectives, and we always want to hear what you have to say. So go to facebook.com slash groups slash Ideas for COSA if you agree or disagree please offer your thoughts. would love to hear what you have to say there. Um, so thanks to Centro San Antonio uh, for asking us to show up and record there and look out for their podcast. Um, if anyone has ideas for, for episodes for the Ideas for Coastal podcast, reach out to me, post on Facebook, message me on Facebook, and, uh, and we'll see if we can get it going. So Paul Giovanni signing off for Ideas for Cosa and hope you enjoy the episode. Well, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Pat DiGiovanni. I'm president and CEO of Central San Antonio. Welcome to El Tropicano. We're glad you're here. Um, want you all to know that I'm also a member of the International Downtown Association and currently sit on the board of directors of the IDA. And so we're very happy and grateful to have David Downey, IDA's president and CEO, join us for today's program. Let me welcome each and every one of you you know, what inspires us at Centro is when we see a room that is filled with passionate advocates for downtown and our center city. Our program today is on the value of downtown and how each and every one of you can play a role in creating a more vibrant and prosperous downtown. We are on an incredible trajectory, and it's because of individuals like all of you that are getting into the conversation and helping us to be a vibrant center city. I want to thank our luncheon sponsors who helped make our program possible today. Peripheral Vascular Associates, Whataburger, Frost Bank, the City of San Antonio and its Center City Development and Operations Department, Entertainment Cruises, El Tropicana Hotel, uh, who are hosting us today and the wait staff and let's give them a round of applause because they're going to work real hard here in a moment. I also want to acknowledge our head table uh, so bear with me as I introduce everyone and then you can give them a big round of applause. The chairman of our board Don Frost, city manager Cheryl Scully, District 1 Councilman Roberto Trevino, representing Bear County and County Judge Judge Wolf, uh, Chief of Staff T.J. Mays, Executive Vice President 
for the Economic Development Foundation, Tom Long. Dr. Daniel Temez with the Peripheral Vascular Associates. We also have with us IDA's Director of Professional Development, Carolyn Delutri, and of course, David Downey, who we'll be introduced in a moment. Oh, and I just recognized that we also have Lori Houston, Assistant City Manager. So please, welcome them. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the Chairman of the Central Partnership Board of Directors, Don Frost. Well, Centro is committed to mobilizing people and resources to build a more prosperous downtown. Mobilizing people, a very simple statement, but the execution can be complex. As Pat said, we're happy to have you here today to learn more about the value of our downtown. You know, I believe more and more people are believing in the value of downtown, as evidenced by each and every one of you here today in this room, and thank you for being here. We can also see the evidence with both the local pioneers who have invested in our urban core and now we're seeing outside capital coming in to invest in downtown. This momentum that is occurring right in front of our eyes is indicative of what the market demands. Great cities have great downtown. And as you all know, San Antonio's downtown is unique, culturally rich, and I believe moving toward greatness. Today, I think you're gonna hear that Density is our friend, and especially in the urban core. Density helps us with sustainability, vibrancy, and economically in so many ways. And continuing on our momentum here, Centro has partnered with the International Downtown Association, known as IDA, to create a study which quantifies, evaluates, and communicates why downtown matters. This study on the value of downtown focuses on multiple downtowns across our nation and drilling into uh, areas such as economic development, housing, transportation, job growth, and many other factors that affect urban cores. I don't think we're gonna see comparisons of other cities, but we're gonna focus on the data specifically on our downtown. IDA is a leader in providing many downtown organizations such as Centro, and they provide in Centro data, research, and tools to help share the story of why downtown is a valuable asset to everyone in a metropolitan area. The value of our downtown benefits everyone in San Antonio. I don't think we can say that enough, so I'm gonna repeat it again. The val value of our downtown benefits everyone in San Antonio. Pat DiGiovanni is a board member of IDA, a national board, and visiting with our speaker last night, David, the president and CEO of IDA, he tells me that Pat's energy, passion, and strategic focus is an asset to his board. I want you all to know that Pat and his staff work hard every day to do this critical work in downtown San Antonio. And so Pat, 
can I ask you and anybody in Centro staff to stand up? I want everybody to recognize what you guys do every day. Stand up, the staff of Centro, please. We, we thank them for their energy and passion and their strategic focus. Now, everybody knows Cheryl Scully, our city manager, and she's been a champion for all of San Antonio. As an organization, the city of San Antonio is large and has many moving parts, yet she has guided it in such an effective and efficient manner. I believe she's helped our policymakers with well-informed data and most importantly, a financially sound operation. Best of all, Cheryl understands and believes that the in the value of downtown and that that value helps sustain the, financially strength of our, the financial strength of our city. So Cheryl, will you come up and introduce our speaker, David, and thank you. Everybody give Cheryl a round of applause. Well, good afternoon. Um, I'm happy to be here, and Pat, thank you for asking me to be a part of the program and introduce our guest uh, speaker uh, this afternoon. We're excited to hear from him, and it's really great to see so many people here uh, to continue in our participation about advocating, advancing, and developing uh, downtown. Uh, the city of San Antonio, as you know, is has value and placed a high value in the development of downtown and has made it a priority over the past 10 years. A priority for cleanliness, for maintenance, for the safety of our residents and visitors to the downtown and those who do commerce in downtown, as well as in, de in development. Uh, but first, in terms of speaking about public safety, let me just say that I'm proud to say that we have a very safe downtown and uh, we're very focused on ensuring that that continues. I want to thank our outstanding police chief, Bill McManus, who has uh, faced a lot of very uh, tough challenges in the recent months and even weeks and days. Um, and in fact, uh, and I also want to thank the women and men in the police department that do such outstanding work throughout our community. Uh, there is a, and a tremendous amount of violence in our, our society today, and in fact, the chief and I were at the hospital to visit with uh, Officer Becerro, who was uh, shot last night on the far northwest side. Uh, he will recover. Uh, he's doing pretty well following his surgery last night. He and his family are very positive and optimistic. He has four years on the force. So I ask you to keep him and all of our men and women of the police department uh, in your thoughts, thoughts support, and, and prayers. On the development side, I will say that we have over the years developed infill policies that promote development within our center city. And uh, as you know, adopted a housing first strategy back in 2011. And uh, that was to uh, see that we create 7,500 more housing units by the year 2020. So to date, we have 6,275 new housing units that are either completed under construction 
or have been permitted. Uh, so we're excited that uh, within the downtown area, we have those nearly 6,300 housing units already in place. That's 84% of the goal for anyone who is doing the math. And I want to recognize Assistant City Manager Lori Houston and our Center City Development Director John Jackson, Ramiro, and the entire Center City team that do such a great job on those issues I was just talking about in terms of cleanliness, maintenance, uh, and development uh, within the downtown area. So thank you for your work. I have also asked them to uh, re-program, re, uh, re-engineer that goal. And so we need to get that up higher because we know we're going to achieve the 7,500. So they're working on strategies that we can promote even more housing because we know that uh, the retail development follows the rooftops. So uh, we want to ensure that we can be aggressive in our retail approach as well. So we have uh, more than 1,000 new housing units in the greater downtown area projected to come online in 2017. You're familiar with some of those projects. But we've also made downtown a priority through the creation and adoption of policies uh, by the City Council and, of course, Councilman Trevino that represents uh, District 1 in the downtown area, an advocate for downtown on many, many fronts. Uh, those policies have been adopted by the Council and uh, through our bond programs. And I do want to thank um, all of you in the room that supported and voted for the bond program, also con uh, contributed toward the campaign. Um, just to recap, you know, in 07, we had uh, and took to the voters a $550 million bond program. Uh, less than $20 million really was dedicated to the downtown area in that program. The community was so hungry for capital improvements throughout the city that it was difficult uh, to uh, advocate for a tremendous amount in the downtown in 2012. Uh, that bond program of $596 million included about $90 million for downtown infrastructure improvements. And I'm proud to say that the 2017 program that totaled $850 million uh, included $195 million for the center city. And I want to thank Centro for leadership in helping to develop those project recommendations and for the entire community for supporting them. And if you think about it, even though there was some conversation about really should we devote that much resource to the center city, this bond program had a higher approval rating than any of our bond programs. And that average, the lowest approval was at 68%, and the others were in the high 70s with 79%. So um, that was good. And of course, um, the focus on housing and the funding of catalytic public infrastructure contributes uh, to the workforce development and retention that we have talked about. And earlier this spring, of course, we did the groundbreaking for Frost Tower, uh, which is the first new office tower in downtown uh, since the Weston Center many years ago. So we're excited about that and to be a partner as a city in that P3 project development. Well, we have a lot of momentum, and with the leadership in the public and private sectors, we will continue that momentum uh, to maximize the value of our downtown, which leads me to our keynote speaker, David Downey.
David is the president and CEO of the International Downtown Association. He is responsible for the strategic direction and driving success toward the organization's vision to build a world full of vital and livable urban centers. Prior to the International Downtown Association, David served as the managing director of the Center for Communities by Design at the American Institute of Architects and as an executive director for the Michigan chapter of the American Planning Association. David has been a city advocate since 1989, receiving his degree in architecture and design with a focus on urban design from Lawrence Technology University. He is an accomplished not-for-profit leader focused on building healthy communities and currently serves on the board of directors for both the Mount Vernon Triangle Business Improvement District and the Responsible Hospitality Institute. Please join me in welcoming David Downey. Thank you, Cheryl. Good afternoon, everyone. We'll get this microphone up and running. We working on it? There it comes. Just hit me to give it a minute. Well, good afternoon, and uh, thank you so much for the wonderful introduction, Cheryl, Pat, for the invitation to be here, and really look forward to sharing a few thoughts with all of you this afternoon. Um, please enjoy, continue enjoying your lunch. I know we all have places to go afterwards. But what I'd like to do is spend a little bit of time telling you, maybe affirming, if you will, a few things about cities and what we're seeing around North America and a little bit around the world, of course. Um, and then also center a little bit of conversation around organizations like Centro and what our uh, logo is all about, which is Inspired Leaders Shaping Cities. Quite frankly, the work of shaping cities and the dynamics of evolving civic governance means that everyone in this room is a city advocate and really a city builder. So really happy that you're all joining us for this conversation. And then as Pat and Cheryl both suggested, I'll share a sneak peek at some research that is currently underway. I say a sneak peek because, you know, Pat is on my board of directors and we, we're releasing the full study in September, but you know, when a board member says, do you think maybe we can get a little, a little sneak peek, you know, for our luncheon uh, that's going to take place in July, you know, certainly we can make that happen. So I'll look forward to the full release in September. But uh, first off, you can tell I shaved this morning because this is no longer an accurate picture. But what's most important is, you know, cities are extremely hot right now. And it seems like everyone is really understanding the value of their city. But I think the message to know is that it's really been 30 years in the making. The, you know, cities are hot and it's not an overnight success. It's really taking um, the work of people like yourselves, civic leaders, um, private sector, organizations like Centro, who have really been in the trenches grinding this out for the last 30 years. I think Centro was formed or part of Centro organization was formed 31 years ago. But I'm gonna come back to this picture on the left because to me it typifies a little bit of what's so innovative and entrepreneurial about the work that we're doing in city building these days. So a sense of who I am, this is Warrington, Virginia, where I uh, currently reside, Main Street, USA, small town, USA, urban. Um, I work in this place. They don't, well, we'll keep going. But I love places like this. So 
This happens to be Vancouver, but what I'm inspired about is the places in between buildings, in and around buildings, where community comes together. This happened to be a Stanley Cup victory, and in our public spaces, sometimes we're celebrating, sometimes we're protesting, but it's really the heart of community, and it's what I love the most. I grew up outside of the city of Detroit, and growing up in the suburbs, you know, I heard stories from my parents about how fantastic it was to be on the boulevard, go to the theater, meet for drinks, take the trolley or, or the, the train, and really have that urban lifestyle. I grew up when the Hudson's building was being imploded downtown, retail and everyone had left the city, and it very much was, you know, derelict neighborhoods. And again, 30 years in the making, you know, we now know that Detroit is starting to come back but perhaps with a much smaller footprint, right? Everything you see is well within the city of Detroit, and yet you can see the real habited uh, urban core is much smaller. But like San, San Antonio, um, Detroit had the Downtown Detroit Partnership, civic leaders, foundations, everyone that contributed to doing placemaking and trying to bring in interventions to reactivate the downtown and get more people living, working, and creating downtown Detroit as a vibrant place. And even Woodward Avenue corridor, Woodward Avenue in the state of Michigan is M1 designated. In 1909, the first mile of paved road in the United States was put down on Woodward Avenue corridor, home of the automobile. People flocked in from around the world to see how they were gonna put the concrete road down. And where we used to have streetcars on Woodward Avenue, they eventually got pulled off the avenue. The city, of course, went into decline. It's on its way back, and they, they're reinstating the, the streetcar, the M1 rail, onto Woodward Avenue. Now, the, the marketing signage at, the, at this particular stop was a bit of a precursor to how successful will this renaissance of Detroit be, which is why you see Detroit, you know, M1, maybe because there's still an ongoing question about how successful will it be. Cities like New York, 1970, I think we all remember hearing, reading, or learning about, you know, murder capital of the world in Times Square, red light district, not the Times Square that we understand it to be today. The Times Square Alliance and the civic leaders really ensured that it became an active, vibrant, walkable place in the heart of one of the most dynamic cities around. Quick other things that we know are happening, 150 largest cities uh, within the United States hold 30% of the jobs. Our cities and our city core downtowns are becoming the employment centers um, throughout the United States. We know that between 2000 and 2010, the, the population grew more in cities at 17% than it did nationwide at 97 we know that through the research, Urban Land Institute and others, that resident, demand for residential in the downtown urban core is continuing to increase. We're seeing countless headquarter companies, headquarter, headquarters of companies moving down into the urban core where the talent lies, where they can interface with other talented workforce, where innovation is happening. And quite frankly, what is kind of the renaissance of cities has been 30 years in the making. I like to uh, utilize this as what I see as kind of the ecosystem of the city. And I'm speaking pretty quickly, so I'll take a quick break. But as you can tell, I tend to travel early in the morning. So this is out of my, uh, my plane leaving Washington National, and I was heading up to uh, New York City. So this is Baltimore. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, 
you can see that they have significant commute challenges because they're six o'clock in the morning and they're going at this pace. But you can see the, the city itself. And if you look at the top of the screen, you can see the headlights coming into the city, very traditional, moving into the city to go to work. But what I find fascinating and very typical for what's happening in urban areas around the country and the world is you also see a steady stream of headlights leaving the city out of the lower portion of the screen. We're all experiencing reverse commutes. People are choosing to live in the urban center regardless of where their employment is. They're still looking to uh, access their employment in the urban center if they're living outside. And then there's the uh, those who are able to live, work, and play in the downtown. This is kind of where cities are at today and they, we continue to evolve. So Jane Jacobs, one of everyone's favorite uh, urbanists, most cities diversity is the creation of incredible numbers of different people and different private organizations with vastly different idea, differing ideas and purposes, planning and contriving, outside the formal framework of public action. And all of this goes uh, from her perspective that city planning and design, it should be de de developing an ecosystem of great range of unofficial plans, ideas, and opportunities to flourish. This in, in, a, in a sound bite is what you are all doing here today. It's those unofficial manner in which you go about public sector, private sector, concerned citizens, elected officials, philanthropy, all coming together to build cities within a construct of the entire vision, but knowing you're going out of neighborhood by neighborhood. And it's really that, 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 that energy of the city and of its people that makes San Antonio so fantastic. So when we talk about urban place management, and that's the industry of IDA and Centro, you know, this is West Bloor Village in Toronto, just outside the city. But it really started in 1970, where a small group of merchants on a dying uh, strip commercial area realized that because of the malls and because the subway was going underneath their road and taking pedestrians off of the sidewalks, had to step forward and approach the city and say, we're willing to invest our own resources, our own dollars, tax ourselves, provided we can get some of those resources back to West Bloor specifically, because we need to come up with some interve interventions to try and bring business back to our area. West Bloor Village was followed by uh, downtown New Orleans. And today, these are just the name, the, the, the name types of over 45 different management organizations that are strewn across the country uh, and uh, Canada and the world. All of them, you know some of this already. We call this Maslow's Hierarchy of Downtown Management. And much as Cheryl suggested, you know, a lot of what we did in cities was clean and safe to begin with. That is the core. If the city's not clean, if it's not safe, it's, if it's not addressing street order and the like, then you, you've got to get that part done right first. And it sounds like the police department in the city is doing a fantastic job. As we elevate up Maslow's hierarchy of downtown management, you know, it's about becoming more engaged, more active, more beautiful, more vibrant. And really, as you get towards the pinnacle, many organizations like Centro are really looking at business development opportunities. How do we get um, vacant lots to market for development. Perhaps we even take on the impact analysis study or perhaps we're even looking at the development ourselves. All the while advocating for a stronger, more vibrant, more livable downtown. This is kind of the basic tenets of everything that we do in the urban management profession. 
To give you a scale, Centro is not alone and the city of San Antonio is not alone. There's over 2,500 urban management organizations throughout North America. What's even uh, more exciting as a profession, there's over 100,000 individuals who are working in this, what is really a pretty cool, cool uh, industry. And it's powered by the private sector at large for the most part, much like Bloor West Village. On an annual basis, over $500 million of private sector assessment is basically being invested for the public good through organizations like this. And then very briefly, we're seeing it grow worldwide. We recognize uh, worldwide that government and municipalities can't foot the bill for everything. It's why the private sector stepped forward. It's why it's managed through these public-private partnerships. And in countries around the world, they're realizing that Everything falling on the shoulders of government is not sustainable, and so you can see it's really becoming plentiful worldwide as a solution for city building. But I wanted to pause here and say, but it's ultimately about the people. And this is our most recent group of 2017 Emerging Leader Fellows who went through a program in New York City. And you can get kind of a range of the diversity of professionals, um, and what I like most is they're all smiling. They go to work every day focused on a part of the city and are trying to figure out what can I do to make that merchant stronger? What can I do to uh, fill a vacancy? How can I help a visitor who's going uh, through our city find what they're looking for? How can we make our district a fantastic place? You actually have a local person, I know it's very small, but um, Eddie Romero from San Antonio, from uh, Centro, participated in this event. Give him a shout out. But, but just to embarrass him slightly, um, what's fantastic is we're seeing so many professionals, and this includes yourself, but Eddie and others at Centro in particular, who come from vast backgrounds, whether it's urban planning or real estate or economics or marketing or public administration, realizing that they have a role to play in city building and that there's this genius in the middle, I call it, between public and private sector that can help knit together unique and innovative solutions for making cities great, one district at a time. And isn't that how most of us kind of relate to our cities is our neighborhood or a district where we work or we go to an entertainment area? And the city is, is enormous. And, and the city administration and the elected officials have an enormous um, job to look at the entire city. There's another layer of civic governance at the district level where they wake up, Eddie, every morning, smiling as I know he always does, and he goes, how am I gonna make downtown stronger? And that's pretty exciting, because those are the people that you get to work with uh, day in and day out. And there's a growing body of knowledge that's really supporting it, and believe me, it is now becoming a profession. You're all welcome to join. So a quick sneak, sneak peek, because I've got to make sure I stay on time. And, and I mentioned that we're doing a study called The Value of U.S. Downtowns, modeled slightly after a program that was done in Canada for the value of Canadian downtowns. Um, but what we're seeking to do is to create an, uh, a defined geography for a district, a downtown. For San Antonio, it's a little bit of that, not the largest highlighted area, but the somewhat triangular yellow taupe thing in the middle. Um, not the largest, the second largest area. And that's what we've defined uh, through Centro as their core downtown. And in this 
research project, what we're trying to understand is something we're calling downtown vitality. How do we work towards understanding and quantifying the vitality of a downtown? And it's made up of several elements, including economic uh, vibrancy, inclusion, vibrancy itself, identity, and resiliency. And I say sneak peek because I got most of this data last night. It's still a little wonky. It's still a little research. It's not all pretty graphics and infographics uh, just yet. But we can start to depict some key ways in which we can better define some of these elements and then ultimately define whether or not you've got the level of downtown, downtown vitality that you ultimately aspire uh, to, to have here in San, San Antonio. So you can see the small area on the map is actually the defined district. It's really 1.37 square miles, so it's less than 1% of the entire city. And everything that we're modeling is based on the fact that it's only 0.3% of the entire city, and yet we're starting to already see some of the numbers that are coming forward when we begin to look at density. So those of you that were here for Joe Minicozzi's presentation at the last luncheon understands a little bit about density, a little bit about taxation, a little bit about the economic and ultimate value that you get from density. But when we compare uh, from a standpoint of per square mile, that's kind of our measure that we're using to take very large numbers and give it a comparative to the city as a whole. Inside of you know, 0.3, percent of the entire city, we can see residential units, more are coming online, but already there's 1.5 times as many residential units in the downtown per square mile as opposed to the rest of the city. The number of residents is lower, but that stands to reason if the household sizes are larger throughout the city than perhaps they are in the downtown core. One or two or three person occupants compared to two, three, or four occupants outside the city. But where, where it really starts to become impactful about what's the value of the downtown core is when we look at some of the other comparisons. You know, 30 times as many jobs per square mile in the core than there is throughout the entire city, or 140 times as much office space, 30 times as much square footage of retail space, and 109 times uh, hotel space, which I think as a great tourist, and uh, visitors' uh, destination makes a lot of sense. But it begins to paint a little bit of a picture of, you know, is the downtown a major contributor to the value of the entire city? Absolutely. And there are some core measures that we can look at that help to define what is that value. But more importantly, set a baseline. So as I understand, you also have 13 other regional growth areas. You can begin to determine where do you want to have growth? How do you want to support that growth? How do you want to incentivize it and then ultimately connect it via transportation options so that you've got a more livable community? So when we talk about the economy, and I'm not going to be giving you all the details. We'll release those in September. You'll all have to come to our conference in Winnipeg. Uh, I'm sure Carolyn, our professional development director, will be happy because she's looking for as many attendees as she can get. But if we look at it by comparison to the city from an economic standpoint, for every dollar generated per square mile in the city, Basically, the core is driving between 15 and 18 times as much in the square foot, based on that smaller footprint. So whether it's sales tax at $17 uh, per square mile compared to one, or whether it's a property tax at a $15 uh, plus per uh, 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 generated in the downtown compared to the city, 
The downtown's punching above its weight. It's absolutely contributing to the betterment of the entire city from an economic standpoint. Um, we were able to take a quick look at something that I think is telling um, and evolving, which is in 2011, and I think this goes to much of the, the housing policies that have been put in place, some of the business uh, recruitment that's taken place in the downtown, but in a prior study in 2011, we looked at the relationship between where are jobs in major employment nodes and where's housing and what's the relationship between the live work uh, within a mile of the core. In 2011, San Antonio was listed uh, because it was below a 20, uh, 20 percentile as an emerging live work area, which meant that you had 17% of the people living within a mile radius of the downtown also able to work in that space. That, in short, three years from 2011 to 2014 has evolved and actually pushed San Antonio into the next tier, which is now a high live work environment. You know, this tells me that the efforts that have been put into place in the past and the work that you continue to do is having an effect on the quality of your area, and it opens up a lot of opportunity for strategic growth moving forward. Now, we're in the process of developing this methodology, and so when we start thinking about vibrancy, it's like, well, what is vibrancy? And ultimately, it's you know, the variety of activity. It's why people love urban spaces. It's unique retail. It's the cultural institutions, businesses, centers of innovation, public spaces. You hear a lot about innovation districts now within the economic development world and within the city building world. And what used to be innovative innovation districts that were created perhaps on the edge of the downtown or out in the suburbs was like a standalone entity, almost like a mall, if you will. And it's where you could cluster innovative creative industries together to create an economic um, growth area. Well, that's what downtowns are. That's what urban areas are, and that's what cities are. So really looking at where can you create vibrancy has an impact on it's re really creating those opportunities for companies to innovate together and build you know, the ecosystem in, in the urban area. So when we start to think about, well, what, how can we measure vibrancy? One, one of the data points that we're looking towards is kind of total spending potential. So when we think, yes, there's a little bit of a skew to that first bullet where there's almost 400,000 um, per resident spend, uh, spent on retail, that's skewed because of all of your visitor traffic. But when I look at things like 399 retail businesses per square mile in the downtown compared to 23 in the, in the rest of the city, that tells me there's a lot more that I can do in the downtown. There's a lot more opportunity for retail. There's over 12,000 workers per square mile that are earning $40,000 plus a year. A lot more opportunity to take advantage of activities, not just uh, at, a, at a price point, but to access those and be much more involved. Uh, it's really looking at that diversity of mixed land uses where people can become more involved in their city, more active, and uh, really have a more vibrant vibe, if you will, in the core. This is one of the ways in which we're going to be measuring vibrancy moving forward.
Um, a big part of the conversation, and we know this both politically but also socially, is a question of inclusion. And I would argue that by their nature, downtowns tend to be more inclusive um, than just about any other part of, of human settlement. Um, they're typically welcoming to, to more, uh, more people, all residents, visitors, and it's where essential services, culture, recreation, entertainment, all resides in that urban core. It's where people come to engage their city. And so if downtowns are inherently equitable because they enable this diversity of uses, you know, we're looking at downtowns as places where we expect to experience, you know, this is the diversity of our region. This is kind of the diversity of who we are. This is what shapes someone that wants to understand San Antonio. They're gonna be able to see a lot more uh, of that diversity, that culture, that heritage, the, the beginnings of San Antonio by visiting its urban core and its urban centers moving forward. So we have to figure out how do we begin to measure that, and there's many different ways that we'll be doing so, but again, we can look at the number of households, but what I found a little fascinating as a preview is that, uh, again, per square mile in the downtown, you have 726 millennials compared to 452 millennials who are choosing to make downtown their home. Why is that important? Well, we, we know the millennial generation by nature is much more inclusive, much more accepting of diversity, much more engaging of people from all walks of life and really helping to drive uh, communities forward. Likewise, I was fascinated and still looking to learn more anecdotal comparison as to you know, the higher amount of foreign-born residents who are choosing your urban area downtown, more so, uh, again, per square mile, to the rest of the city. These are some of the ways we can start to measure inclusion as a value of the downtown itself. And with regard to resiliency, um, it's a word that's often uh, seen in the media and coming around, but it basically means, can this place withstand either shocks or stresses? Those could be economic shocks, they could be environmental stresses, but again, the diversity and density of the urban core gives you great advantages. You know, diversity by nature from a financial perspective, if you uh, are stressed in one area, you've got the diversity to shore up uh, your economics in another area, so having that, that diversity downtown helps. You're better equipped um, to support resilience for the region as a whole. Again, you, see, you saw the strength of the downtown core, right? Well, if it remains strong and there's other parts of the city that are suffering, it's gonna continue to help support the resiliency of the entire city. And then ultimately, because of its compact nature, 0.3% of the entire city, if there needs to be investment in interventions that need to take place to ensure that you know, the community is even more resilient, well, it's gonna be a much more robust investment into the core than perhaps you know, trying to do something citywide from the outset. So what might this look like from a research perspective along with other things? Well, let's think about transportation. Not everyone can access a private vehicle for their private residence and travel certain distances to get everywhere that they need just to run their errands, get to work, or uh, get to school, uh, have, have a complete life. If you're a resilient community, and we all went through the time when gas got extraordinarily expensive, or perhaps you can't afford um, to have your own vehicle, the question is, can you access other services? Can you get to the work you need to do, the errands you need to do? And if we look at the downtown compared to the city as a whole, we can look at things like walk score, bike score, and transit score. 
And these are all on a scale of 100. And in the downtown, very walkable at eight, an eight, a score of 86. The city of New York, the entire city, is 90. Very, you don't have to have a car and live in New York City. You don't have to have an automobile to get around in the downtown core and immediate environs. Probably do, as many of you may have even arrived here today, need a car if you're coming from further out. But again, that goes to some of the transportation uh, vision and policies that the city's looking to employ. Um, same with bike and, tra and transit. You know, bicycle is the fastest growing mode of transportation in the world as of right now. And there's a lot of communities they're doing, especially in Europe, doing extraordinary things. It's always a trade-off from a policy perspective. But what I find fascinating when I think about resiliency of a community, health of a community, looking at our sponsors for today, is the more physical activity that we get actually has a health impact. So as your walk score goes up, it's known that walkable places, people tend to be six to 10 pounds lighter. I need a little bit of that myself. From an environmental standpoint, we've cut the CO2s from auto emissions. But if we're trying to match resiliency and people's uh, ability to attain housing, right, which is something many cities are dealing with, for every one point on the walk score, it equates to $3,000 worth of value in housing. So the more you can get people from spending the second largest part of their income on transportation, moving it towards housing, we'll be a lot further along in our affordable housing and housing attainment for all. So that's one of the ways we can look at how do we build a more resilient city. And then lastly, I think you are rich in identity. Identity is that thing that, that really binds the whole city together. It's the heritage of the place, that cultural value. It's where you celebrate everything in the region. And just in a snapshot, you know, through a multitude of assets you have in the downtown core itself, there's over 322 opportunities where people can engage with this community, with the built environment, and they're driving some significant impacts for your city that really continues to put uh, San Antonio on the map and as a star within the state and within the country. So I said I would return back to this simply as a signal that I would be done. But also, too, uh, we talked about kind of the genius in the middle, and it's my invitation that you all remain engaged city builders. Did anyone notice where this structure resides? Because it's sitting in between two buildings, what was an alley. It's in Adelaide, Australia. And Melbourne is actually the, uh, the, the best practices environment for laneway development. But how we utilize our alleys is a way of thinking differently about city building. You know, in this instance, they put a small independent, small footprint um, uh, restaurant and beer garden that spilled out into the sidewalk. It created an entrepreneurial opportunity. It put public space to use for an economic good. It spilled out into vibrancy of the people that were enjoying the evening. It was very well designed. And that's no more than 13, 15 feet wide. Now, they, didn't they had an abundance of laneways, so they were able to pull that aside. But we also know that we're even looking to activate our our alleys, finding better ways to utilize some of this space. And to me, that's a little bit of the genius in the middle. It's a little bit of what Centro's been doing. It's a little bit of what the city of San Antonio continues to do and what place management organizations worldwide are doing. Let's figure out what our challenges are. Let's look for innovative, 
private sector driven responses to those and ultimately lift all boats. Um, really excited th to be here and see some progress. I got a chance to visit the, the newer north section or the second section of the Riverwalk. Um, I'm really excited to announce the fact that we're gonna be bringing all of our colleagues, all of our place management industry from around the world to San Antonio next October because you're gonna be hosting our annual conference. Thank you. Thank you, David. Oh, absolutely. Stay right here. Uh, I know we're running a little behind. Uh, is there anyone who has a, a burning question for David? Anyone? You know, one, one uh, stay, stay here, David. Yeah, we got a little something for you, too. Uh, you know, one, one thing that we certainly struggle with is getting our message out. So I wonder if you would, for the, for the audience, do you have any ideas on how we can get this message out about the value of, of downtown? Because that's one of the things that we do at Centro is try to message out and communicate with the greater community. Sure. Any ideas on that? Well, first of all, I think thank you for participating in this project itself. Um, we're actually developing this methodology as part of this project, and I think that's going to help all of us communicate the value of downtowns or the value of, um, you know, B clusters within downtown, within cities that are really that, that uh, regional growth area, uh, to put it in, in San Antonio terms. And so I think the more we do to demonstrate the value through data and research and information, and then push it out in venues like this and through both the city as well as Centro and as private sector businesses to continue to make you know, inform decisions and share your thoughts with Chambers of Commerce and Rotary and all of the other institutions that make up the community. Um, you know, that's where kind of B2B is gonna make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, consumer facing, we rely on the media, which you know, we've had an opportunity to talk with a little bit. And I think the more that we just continue to realize that this is not an overnight success, but we're all in it for the long haul, that again, the value of downtown <laughs> will begin to resonate more and more over time. I remember uh, the comment that Chris Larson from Grand Rapids, our colleague, was talking about that group that he has, right? That really right. Gets the it's creating an army yeah. of, I think we have almost 300 people here now, an army of civic engaged citizenry who are going to go out and continue to spread the good word of the work and the tough decisions the city has to make and the wonderful uh, investments that the private, private sector is delivering through organizations like Centro. Help me thank David Downey. We have a, a little swag bag for you. I think there's something warm that you can wear in D.C. <laughs> so thank it, you again, David. It got a little David. chilly there recently. And we're looking forward to uh, seeing the full results of the study later on I'm sorry. Uh, this fall. Uh, David and I did have a chance to talk about the upward trajectory of, of downtown San Antonio. And while I think we've come a long way from this kind of emerging downtown of a great American city, we know that there's still more work to do and also about removing some of the perceptions of downtown, some of the negative perceptions of downtown. What do you think is the number one thing we hear about in terms of negative perceptions of downtown? Parking. I heard parking. You guys are smart. <laughs> well, um, would you like to know that we have over 26,000 parking spaces in the urban core alone, and that 43% of our land mass that 1.37 miles is used for parking in downtown. 
And let me tell you, that's a lot because, again, talking to my colleagues in the profession, uh, that was almost like double what they're experiencing in their cities. So we do have a lot of parking. Uh, but we uh, actually want to make sure that we get this story out and get it out right. Uh, and you can, help, you can help us by getting the word out to your neighbors and friends about the energy that is coming from downtown. Keep engaged with this conversation. Let your neighbors know about the value of downtown. Uh, and if you all want to see that video again or share it, uh, it is on our website at downtownsa.org. Uh, let's keep this momentum going. We've got a great thing going on here in, in downtown San Antonio. Thank you all for being here. Have a great rest of the day.